1: Up to date wants to know what you're talking about with family and friends. You can text UTD to 816-601-4777 to tell us. Again, 816-601-4777. This is UpToDate on KCUR 89.3. I'm Steve Kraske. Winter weather is underway here in Kansas City, and it seems like more snow and cold could be on the way. We'll be rounding up some of what's going on in the city today and joining me now in the studio here is Brian Platt. He's the city manager of Kansas City, Missouri, and he's here wearing his bright reflective uh, jacket (laughs) and looking very, very official and ready to go on a snowy day out there. Brian, thanks for coming in.
0: Thanks for having me as always.
1: How was it getting around for you this morning, uh, coming into the studio? Yeah, here?
0: the roads look good. We've had a full crew out all night, all day today, uh, and also yesterday. Uh, we've got about 400 drivers that we send out uh, to keep our streets uh, clear, and we have about 300 snow removal vehicles that we get out there. Uh, they've been working very, very hard. It's not a very fluffy, light snow. It's it's a heavy, wet snow, and so it's a little bit harder to move across and clear out of the streets, but working hard, doing a great job making progress.
1: You say you had 400 drivers Out there, have you had trouble finding enough people to fill those positions this winter season? No,
0: we've we've been great. We've got a workforce of five thousand people. We've been working all summer long, and over the last few years to make sure we've got enough people, more than enough people, to fill every single seat in every single plow. And so, actually, we're at a point where we have a a few extra drivers.
1: You know, this uh, idea of clearing the streets after a big snowfall has been a priority of yours since the day you got here. My sense has always been that this is kind of a signature statement of yours that you want to show the people of
0: Kansas City that the city can, in fact, handle snowfalls like this. Yeah, I think it's so important that we deliver city services at the highest quality, the highest level that we possibly can for the residents of Kansas City, and set the tone and the example uh, for everyone around us. And we've done so much. We've transformed this operation. One of the many operations that we've transformed here, we've added more drivers, more vehicles. We now have a -a 24-hour-a-day operation. We never used to do that. We have a a, a rule now where we plow curb to curb. We remove snow from the entire street. A lot of cities don't do that sort of thing. Uh, uh, but we are, we are clearing very aggressively from our streets. We have a very aggressive pre-treatment plan for streets. Before a snow starts, before a snowflake even hits the ground, we've got trucks out all over the city uh, putting salt and brine solution down to melt the snow the second it starts to fall on those streets. And we're using uh, different types of tools and technology to make our operation more efficient uh, and, and higher quality. We've got tablets in every single snow removal vehicle that have a digital Plow route map for every driver. So every single driver knows exactly what streets they've done and what streets they need to do next uh, in their route. Also, as managers, we can hold our own team accountable and we know exactly what roads we've missed and exactly where we need to go next with our resources. We can deploy them more effectively and more efficiently. One of these really cool things we're doing and using in Kansas City is a a new type of salt product called IceBan, it's a different type of chemical standard salt is calcium chloride. Ice band is blue. It's magnesium chloride. It works at much lower temperatures. So speaking of those frigid cold temperatures that we're expecting to see in the next few days and weeks here, uh, that's the kind of stuff we're going to be putting out on those streets, on our streets, to make sure that we're melting all that ice and there's nothing uh, that will be an issue.
1: I don't need to tell you that uh, removing snow from Kansas City streets has been the bane of a lot of residents' existence for a very long time, long before you got to town.
0: Yeah. And, and you know what's been great is uh, we're getting a lot of positive feedback about what we're doing. We hear, uh, I get text messages in the middle of the night from people saying, it's three in the morning, I heard a plow going down my street, this is so exciting. People tell us that they haven't seen a plow on their on their neighborhood streets in decades in the 15 years that they've lived here, for example, and now you know they're hearing them before the storm even starts. And so th- this is a whole new approach to delivering city services here, and we've raised the bar and raised the level of, of the way we deliver services here tremendously.
1: You know, as we sit here and talk today, there's a sense it's going to be a rough week for getting Mm. around town just given the fact the weather is what the weather is
0: what precautions should drivers be taking in your view brian the next few days yeah we're just asking everyone to stay home and stay off the roads as much as possible unless there's some urgent issue we've closed all of our uh, city facilities everything's remote right now uh we've we've uh we've opened up our city parking garages for free. So if you've got a car that you park on the streets, a vehicle you park on the streets, you can park it in our covered garages safely and securely uh, for free to make sure we have an easier time clearing the roads. And we're just asking people to stay in and be patient. We, we've got a big operation. We've got hundreds of people out on our streets every day, hundreds of uh, snow removal vehicles, and it's a lot. Uh, and we just want to make sure everyone's being safe. Given how big
1: this operation is, like over the summer, do you start planning for these yeah. days like today and- and Absolutely. So, this is months of preparation it's, it's for something like yeah, this. Yeah,
0: we, we spent the summer uh, uh, repairing our fleet, making sure we've got the right vehicles and equipment, training new drivers, training and refreshing the drivers who have been doing it for a long time. The the challenge also is uh, even though we've got a lot of drivers that have been doing this for a long time, we've changed the way we're delivering the service and the way we're we're moving forward. So uh, we've had to retrain a lot of people and and change the approach that they have for a snow removal, and it's been working great. We've had a couple of sort of practice snow events this year, some some lighter snowfalls uh, that have allowed us to make sure we've sort of got all the kinks out and 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 blown the dust off of all this. But yeah, it's a year round effort for us. All right. How
1: do you ensure the safety of the snow team? itself.
0: Yeah. It, training, training is a big thing. Communication is another big thing. Yeah. We've got GPS on all the trucks. It helps us uh, track where everybody is and make sure we know where they are. And if something happens, we know exactly where to find them. Uh, and, and also training is important in that no, drivers are learning a lot more about what is a safe condition and how to get out of those unsafe conditions. And, and the biggest thing for us is if our streets are clear of snow and ice, then the safety issues are dramatically reduced. And so that's our main priority right
1: there. There's always been so much thought here in town that the city is pretty be good about clearing the busy streets, but those smaller residential streets oftentimes get left in the Rearview mirror here. Are those being addressed?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Every street in this town has a plow assigned to it, uh, wow. every shift. So we have a day shift and a night shift. We do 12-hour shifts. And so you will see a plow come down your street at least once or twice. We're plowing curb, curb to curb uh, every single street. And that's that difference. Those, those are the people who are calling us and telling us what a dramatic improvement it's been. They're, they're on a small neighborhood street, a cul-de-sac. They've never seen a plow come down. And when I first got here, I remember the first couple of storms just observing and noticing on my own neighborhood streets that I didn't see a single plow come through. And now, you know, it, it's uh, it, it's hours it, hours until hours after the storm the streets are pretty much clear. We have a pretty uh, uh sort of rough rule of about 12 to 24 hours after a storm we we aim to get all of the streets clear of snow and ice. Yeah. You
1: know, I just had reason to drive out to Martin City for a family matter and what really struck me about that is Man, this city is big. I mean, you go from Martin City to KCI, Mr. City Manager. I'm not telling you anything here. That's an hour of drive
0: time or something close to that it's amazing how big this city is. And and another complication is that the weather is so dramatically different from those different parts of the city. We're seeing six plus inches of snow up north by the airport, and we're seeing a totally different storm down south. And that is usually how these storms come through. And so what's great about these digital uh, plow tracking tools is that we can move and shift resources knowing that one route's been finished and it's clear and the streets are clear in one part of the city. We can move those uh, drivers and that equipment to other places, knowing that we have more snow in other places and the route hasn't been finished yet.
1: Well, given the fact that you are touching residential streets, what should residents be thinking about when it comes to parking their cars during a storm like this?
0: Yeah, we've got a rule that that asks everyone to park their car on the north and west side of the street, if possible, uh, during big snow events, just so we can at least try to have a a larger width of street to clear uh, as much as you can do to get those cars off the street. Again, park in our city garages, find a driveway, anything like that. Uh, And and also, one thing we're doing in these bigger storms is delivering laying trash. So this week, we're on a holiday trash schedule. If your trash collection day was today, it's now tomorrow and so forth throughout the week. And that's for two reasons. One is, as I said before, we just want to keep uh, unnecessary vehicles off the streets. We don't want these large trash trucks driving around, potentially getting stuck and, and causing other issues. But also, we're deploying as many people as we possibly can from every operation in the city to snow removal when there's a storm like this. So everyone who's driving a trash truck is now driving a plow. Everyone who was an inspector who maybe not is able to do those inspections uh, on a day like today is now trying to drive a plow. And and so that's where we're focusing on the urgent issue right now.
1: We'll be right back.
0: Hollywood writers are obsessed with the concept of an asteroid heading towards Earth and destroying civilization. But is this something we really should be worried about? I'm Kate the Chemist, and on my podcast, Seeking a Scientist, we meet the mastermind behind a real-life mission to divert the path of an asteroid. Subscribe to Seeking a Scientist, made possible by the SARS Institute.
1: I can't help but wonder, uh, Mr. City Manager, about the city's plan for sheltering the unhoused population as we head into the brutally cold temperatures we're going to experience later this week how are we standing on that front?
0: We've got a a new emergency cold weather plan where we coordinate very closely with our homelessness service providing agencies in town. They've been great partners. And so uh, they all know exactly where to bring people and and what to do uh, during this cold weather. We open up all of our community centers uh, on our parks properties uh, for warming centers during the day. We've got hundreds of extra emergency cold weather beds in shelters that we open up during the winter season from November to April. But, Particularly when the temperatures get very cold into the single digits, I mean, you cannot be outside for that long. Hope Faith is a great partner. They're one of our largest operators of emergency shelters. They've got about 150 extra beds that they've added there. And what's great about that is it's already a day center. People come there during the day for services, for food, for warmth, and now they'll be able to stay inside there overnight as well. So uh, we're we're trying our best to make sure we've got enough space for everybody.
1: Is there a bed for every unhoused person who needs it?
0: Yeah, there is. We we've uh, we've I don't think there's been a single day where we've been completely full, which is great. Uh, That doesn't mean that we've gotten everyone off the street. It is... Tremendously hard of an effort to get everyone from every single camp everywhere in, in the city uh, into a shelter and off of the streets. There are just so many places that people hide in in, in the in the in the woods and some hard to reach areas. But we try really hard. We've got our city's first ever homelessness prevention coordinator, Josh Hengist, who's been on the show before, yeah, absolutely, and, and he's phenomenal. and And he's he he and his team now. Uh, we have a team there. Uh, they go out every single day into encampments and try to get people people. people, the services they need, the support they need, and get them off the street. Uh, At the end of the day, it's much more dangerous to be living outside in a tent somewhere in the woods than it is to be in a shelter or in housing. Are you
1: going to open up Bartle Hall?
0: Uh, At this point, we don't plan to just because we think we've got enough uh, existing capacity in in the plan that we've got here with our emergency uh, preparedness plan right now.
1: You're going to be hearing a lot about potholes this spring once again with this weather being cold and warm and bouncing back and forth. What's the city's pothole plan these
0: days? You know, I hope we're not talking a lot about potholes, to be honest. And and I have not heard a lot of uh, questions about potholes in the last couple of years. And that's because of our refocusing and reframing our resources on street resurfacing. Rather than putting band-aids on broken streets, we're redoing the streets completely. We're resurfacing exponentially more lane miles than we've ever done in the city. We This year, uh, well, 2023 calendar year, we had 496 lane miles of streets. We're probably going to break 500 miles in the fiscal year, which is May 1st uh, start. And, and that is... Three and a half, four times as much as we used to do historically, we are paving more streets than we ever have in the city, speaking again to uh, another level of quality of service delivery that we 're doing in the city. How are you so, able to do that uh, you know it 's just just being creative and thinking creative and being aggressive mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're realizing and prioritizing the things that we hear people say when I came here just about three years ago. Snow and potholes and streets, those were big things that I was hearing about even during my interviews uh, three plus years ago. And so, n- walking in the door, I knew these were going to have to be things that we need to focus on. And we're doing it in a very thoughtful way and not having to break the bank and spend all this additional funding. We're using our existing resources. The snow removal operation is a good example. We didn't hire a bunch of extra drivers, we repurposed people who were doing other things that maybe couldn't or shouldn't be doing those things during a snowstorm. We found a lot of trucks that just needed a plow or a salt spreader on the back instead of buying all these new trucks. Uh, And so we're taking our existing resources and using them in different ways. And that's the same with street resurfacing and everything else we're doing. Again, Brian Platt is my
1: guest. He's a city manager of Kansas City, Missouri. Let me ask you about a couple of items in the news, just given the fact that you're sitting here with me here. Big vote in Jackson County yesterday to put this three eight cents sales tax issue before the voters in April. How big of a step forward
0: was that in your view? It's a huge step. The, the, the focus, I think, for everybody here, and, and I'm not a political actor, but the focus should be making sure we keep the chiefs and royals in town for the long term. And this is the big first step to do that. Whether or not we agree with all of the numbers of whatever deal, and and again, there is no proposal that that we're all looking at and evaluating right now. But uh, if there's no funding sources, then there probably is no proposal to stay. And so this is a big reason that that they will both stay in town. And I think we just got to figure out how to make this all work.
1: Do you know, as we sit here and talk today, where the uh, Royals want to put this downtown baseball park? The reporting in the Star over the weekend suggested that perhaps they are looking most seriously now at the former. Kansas City Star Printing Press Building.
0: Yeah, I think that that's uh, that's probably an interesting location for them for a few reasons, and and not not sure where it's going to end up. It's it's possible there, but there's other East Village is another site that we hear about a lot also. Uh, But that that crossroads area is interesting. Because uh, there's a lot less risk and a lot less that has to be built in that area. For example, if you're building out in the suburbs, you have to build parking, you have to build hotel space, restaurants, all the things that go around a baseball stadium that that make it thrive and successful. Anything that you'd see in any other stadium development. If you're building it in in the core of downtown understanding that there are issues with tearing down existing buildings, which we don't want to do. We don't want to kick out a bunch of other existing small businesses to put the stadium there so there's going to be a balance. But there's already a bunch of parking, and there's already hotels, and there's already restaurants, and so you're not the, the risk is lower in that there's already a, a base of demand and, and activity and energy in the area that you're building off for, rather than starting from scratch. You're not trying to bring people to a new neighborhood. You're adding one more activity and one more opportunity there. So that's I, kind of interesting. I'm
1: confused about- about. about a basic point. The Royals have been talking about a downtown entertainment district that would accompany this downtown baseball stadium. If you build this new ballpark on the site of the Stars former printing press building, the Power and Light District is right there.
0: Do you still build the entertainment district? You you don't need to, and you don't need to do nearly as much if you're going to build anything. You you probably could just put the stadium there and and that's it. You can walk from even the Lowe's Hotel to the, the KC Star building. And so right there, you realize you don't need to build all this other stuff. The the price goes down dramatically. The cost, the investment on the city side and on the on the private side is much lower just because you've got all that stuff already. And there's
1: a bank shot for the city in that you'd have, in theory, more traffic to the power and light district, which is costing you a lot of money in uh, debt uh, repayments every yeah, year, right? People
0: remind us of that constantly. And that's a great point. And why would we want to uh, invest another amount like the the garages and all that infrastructure we had to do for power and light if we've already got it? Why don't we just build on top of that? That's a great point.
1: One One final thing. Is this uh, notion that we're taking this uh, issue to the voters in April, is it premature? As we talk today, we don't know where the, the stadium might go. We don't have a lease agreement in hand. We don't have a community benefits agreement in hand. Where does that leave the voter?
0: Yeah, I mean that's a good question. There, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of those questions that can be answered better by the political actors. Obviously, the, the mayor and the council, and, right. and they they have to be woven into this conversation a lot more as well. We all do, to be honest. And and I think that's the plan moving forward. I can't speak for the Royals or the Chiefs, frankly, directly about exactly what steps steps they're going to take in order to convince people they should vote in a certain way on this thing. Nor will I be the one to try and convince anybody as the bureaucrat in the room. But uh, yeah, you know, look, there's a lot of information we don't know, and and hopefully we we've, we've got enough time to learn it all before anyone has to cast a vote
1: okay that's brian platt he's the city manager of kansas city missouri keeping a close eye on city streets as the weather gets crazy this week brian always good to have you here thanks for thanks for having me time. as always you yeah. bet. up to date is a production of kcur 89.3 the program is produced by zach wilson elizabeth ruiz claudia Brancard, and hallie jackson Paul Nakatura is our announcer and engineer. The theme music was composed by the great Bobby Watson. I'm Steve Kraske. Thanks for listening.